Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the SBK betting podcast. And finally, the wait is over. It didn't have to take us too long, Ross. The jumps are back and we are dedicating this podcast for the first time uh, this season to the jumps. And what a weekend we have in store. We have got some serious jumps action over at Weatherby and at Ascot. Uh, we have got for the first time uh, the Gold Cup credentials being played out of some of our best UK hopes anyway, potentially uh, in the Charlie Hall in the Charlie Hall chase uh, and that and so much more to look forward to over the course of this podcast. But because the jumps are back, uh, Tom Collins uh, is mourning the end of the flat season. So he's not with us. Uh, he has taken a week off just to get over it. And instead, we have um, drafted in uh, Dan Overall, who I'm delighted to join back with us, who's uh, been with us before. So, Dan, first of all, thanks. And how have you been? I've been great. I've been in hibernation for the last six months since the Aintree podcast that we did six months ago. So I think, like some <laughs> of the horses we'll be talking about, hoping to go relatively well fresh, but might just come on for this. Okay, I like that, Dan. Let's uh, see how you've done. Um, it doesn't feel like yesterday since Aintree. And um, yeah, some of the horses that we actually saw during that festival are, are back after their break as well. So let's see if they might need the run too. But Ross, um, I also have to say a very happy anniversary to you. It's one year <laughs> since you joined the podcast. And that fateful podcast where you did pip, tip one, you tipped up three winners from four selections. Indefatigable, who reappears this weekend. Soaring Glory, Foozle Raffles, um, in the Charlie Hall, and I think it was Monsieur Lecoq, yeah, I've got it written down here, chinned on the line to have not to have prevented a glorious fall, but what a wonderful day that was uh, for you, and just no pressure now to let it be two years straight that you, you do the same. Yeah, the, going into the Trekkie second album, aren't we? Um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, we'll get off to a good start. The rain looks like it's coming. Um, we should end up with semi-proper winter ground, um, for the weekend and then we can kick on and, and look at each week individually try not to say the c word too often mm -hmm. um and uh, enjoy a, a good winter of racing absolutely lots of old favorites from last season are, are back as well which is always wonderful to see you know has a, a heavy season affected them for this for this uh, season coming you know the novices going into open company and and as dan says plenty of horses you might just need their first run and some who do really go well fresh. So a lot to look forward to and delve into. Before we get on, um, I, I know he is in uh, his own hibernation now, TC, but uh, he actually picked a jumps winner to win last week in Pied Piper, uh, his winning nap at Even Money and August Rodin, who drifted out to 94, who won the Verton Futurity in fabulous style. Um, so that was a, a good week for TC last week, but it's going to be a better week for us three uh, this week. Um, and we're going to begin with the Charlie Hall chase and a, a good lineup have stood their ground. Um, we've only got the seven runners, but a quality look to this field we've got three miles as always is uh is the distance and we've got some high class grade one performers from their novice days in brave man's game and ahoy senor who faced each other off on several occasions last season they're back uh, but again now as i mentioned in open company so although they top the betting brave man's game six to four ahoy senor nine to four they have to do it against these uh these older sorts, Eldorado Ellen, five to one, Secret Investor, uh, back after a layoff is 11 to one, Win My Wings, 18 to one. According to her trainer, this has been the plan for 12 months to get her to this race and a Gold Cup route. So that is fascinating. Sam Brown, 22 to one, and 100 to one, 
for Paint the Dream. Ross, um, we'll, we'll start with you, of course. This is really fascinating. Obviously, Ohi Sanur, according to the betting anyway, could be UK's best hope for a Gold Cup. Uh, but we've got a long way to go yet. Who's going to be ready at this point in time to take a Charlie Hall chase? I think that's the big question, isn't it? Um, because I think one or two in here, this could well be their Gold Cup, for want of a better better phrase. Brave man's game, Ahoy Senor. If they won this and didn't win anything else the rest of the season, come the end of the season, they'd think they'd had a bad season. Um, and it's very difficult to get a real grasp of who's the better horse between the two because I think at, at, at Kempton, everything was set up to suit Brave Man's game. I don't think uh, Ahoy Senor got the got the best ride ever. I don't think the track suited him. And then at Aintree, um, Brave Man's game ran a long way below his best, I'm sure. Um, quite why that was. I mean, I know Paul Nichols thinks it's because they had him ready for Cheltenham and he'd gone over the top. I, I personally think that's one of the more flimsy excuses I've heard for a horse underperforming. But the bottom line is they do underperform. We haven't just got to say that that's as good as he, as he is because he almost certainly isn't. I'm not sure he's an out-and-out three-miler. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him coming back in trip over the, over the season. But as far as tracks go, this is a relatively easy three. So I think on the predicted slightly better ground, I think you'd have to be with him against a Hoy Senor. A Hoy Senor didn't jump great last year, admittedly on his chase debut, but he can lurch at a couple. I just, I liked him more at the end of the season. He looked to sort his landing gear out and get, become a little bit more nimble over his fences. But first run out, he can perhaps be a little bit, not so keen, but boisterous and a, perhaps a bit brave. That would concern me with him around Weatherby, jumping away out to his right, as he can tend to do. So I, I've overlooked the first two, albeit they are the two classiest horse in the race. I think Al Dorado becomes, Alan becomes interesting. He's got a very good record fresh. Uh, he's won three out of his uh, five returns. The other two, he's been second. Joe Tizard started life to training in the hot seat with uh, Colin as the assistant very well. They've been going along well. Um, perhaps not favoured by the weights all that well. Um, I wouldn't dismiss Paint the Dream. He's 40 to 1. If, if this was an eight runner field and he was 40 to 1, he wouldn't be far off the selection because he's a better horse than he ever gets credit for. Visually, his best ever run was over two miles, six and a half furlongs at Newbury, albeit in a handicap off a relatively low mark. Didn't disgrace himself in the Melling chase over two and a half. Um, I could see him going closer than people expect. But the selection is Secret Investor. It's another horse that goes well fresh. He's been away from the track since winning the Denman chase in 2021. But in that same season, he won a handicap off 153 at Chepstow, beating Potterman, um, who has since gone on to Frank the Form in, in top-class handicaps. Um, he'll light the ground. It's a bit of a concern. Paul Nichols has said that being a 10-year-old, he might just come on for the run. Mm. But he did say that Hitman would come on for the run last week. And I don't think it was fitness that beat Hitman last, last week. I think it was the trip. Um, he ran all the way to the line. Perhaps some will say he didn't want to go past, but I don't prescribe that. But he looked fit enough is what I'm saying. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Paul Nichols has got this horse very ready for this. Goes really well for Bryony Frost. This flat track, this trip, I think, could suit. Um, it's not a strong selection, but at the prices, he was the only one I'd want to I'd want to play in a seven-runner field. When you're looking for a, a, a win selection, he'd be the one for me. Okay, a, a really comprehensive um, look at this from from Ross's perspective. And I think you've hit on it when you when you mentioned 
the, the fact that playing the dream shouldn't be out of it is quite a trappy affair and there's a lot resting on these novices to be spot on and as you pointed out the jumping of a hoist in your needs to be a lot lot better to to really to, to really be up to the standards of some of these seasoned seasoned sorts and secret investors very hardy as well but yeah coming off 615 days off uh, big ask, but if one man can can get them back, it, it's Paul Nichols, who also, as we as we know, has farmed this race in the past with with surname um, and going all the way back ten years to Silvanarco Conti um, as well. But it's uh, it's not been a favourites race at all, um, and and Brave Man's Game, I think Ross has given plenty of reasons why it's probably a weak enough favourite. I would say Dan, um, you know, there's there's definitely question marks about several of. He's clearly a talented, talented horse, and they were, they were quite ambitious with him. But then they took him out of Cheltenham last time, and, and then he really disappointed. So he's just a tricky one to get fully behind at this stage. And you'd imagine everything is going to be leading towards the King George. You, you, you think that's his optimum race come the end of the year? Well, I think that'll be his big Grade One target, based on the fact that the condition should suit ideally, and also he tends to hit peak form sooner rather than later. Like you wouldn't really be planning him mm. around Cheltenham or even maybe Aintree. I think if there's a grade one in him, it's going to be the King George. And that's providing Willie doesn't mm. fancy sending Anaho over to, to spoil the party. But I think in the context of this race, I think he'd be more forward than a Hoy Senor. I just think that's generally the way the yards operate as well. Lucinda's have been running quite well, but I think in general, they tend to peak a bit later on. And I think if you're talking about a horse you think will develop into a Gold Cup contender and for some of those bigger three-mile chases down the line, I'd prefer a Hoy Senor. But I think in this kind of race, I would be leaning towards Brave Man's game. And I do think he's the most likely winner. I guess the most interesting thing from my perspective of this race is the amount of pace angles we have here. So obviously a Hoy Senor is one of them. We know how he likes to run. Secret Investor being the one that obviously Ross mentioned, he's, his best performances have always come when he's allowed to dictate a relatively small field. When he won the Denman beating clan, he was out in front on the rail all the way around. I imagine they'll probably ride him exactly the same, which I think will play into Brave Man's game's hands perfectly because he will be able to get on the rail. And we know a Hoy Senor adjusts to his right as well. So if he's able to almost disrupt the rhythm of a Hoy Senor, like Lon Press did in the Brown Advisory, I think that will help Brave Men's game get a nice toe into the race. But on top of that, we've got the likes of Paint the Dream, who's made all in you know, his best performances. Admittedly, over shorter. Mm. So whether they ride him like that again is up to debate. Sam Brown has raced prominently before. Eldorado Allen uh, went, went all from the front when he won the Denman, and he was prominent all the way at Aintree as well. So that's five of the seven. I mean, even Brave Man's game has made all in the past. He won't hear. But that's a good chunk of the horses that can all make all. So this could be a fascinating kind of tactical affair as well. And I just think that might be what catches a hoist in your out if he just starts to make mm. those slight errors, especially down the back at Weatherby, starts to adjust out to his right. That could be his slight undoing here. And I have no doubt that he's a stronger stayer. And in the in the Brown Advisory, he rallied after being passed quite a long way out. I can see that happening again, but it might be the case that on better ground, by that stage, Brave Man's game has probably just travelled into the race better. He's already got nicked a few lengths and I'm not massively convinced that Brayman's game finds that much for pressure, but he might have already stolen enough of a lead uh, for it not to really matter too much. Okay, so for you in that context, then it, you see it is between a hoist and your and Brayman's game um, with the race set up for them quite quite nicely with Paint the Dream. Outside of that, I'd 
thought on Secret Investor, Ross's, Ross's selection and even El Dorado Island? I, I like Secret Investor and I think in a normal renewal of this, he'd be right up there, especially considering he's getting weight because uh, his absence is so great and that grade two win is almost discounted by the handicapping now. Mm. I just think it was interesting what Paul Nichols said, I think as Ross alluded to, that he's almost behind Brave Man's game. I thought it would be the other way around because Secret Investor's record fresh is spectacular. But I'd just be concerned by those comments and also the... I say the, the pace angle as well. I'm not convinced he'll have it all his own way, and he might almost be a bit of a sacrificial lamb in this kind of a race. Uh, the, the others, I say, like the likes of Sam Brown, Win My Wings, admirable sorts in their own right. I imagine both will probably be geared to the Grand National this season. They might just get a bit outpaced in a race like this on good ground, but they're interesting angles into it as well because there's plenty of depth to this. Like this could be a race you look back in time and say the fourth, fifth, and sixth all went on to achieve something. Mm. Yeah, Win My Wings uh, can't be discounted, obviously. Uh, the Scottish Grand National won that in, in facile fashion. Then, and then, yeah, and then she fell, uh, didn't she, in the Bet365 Gold Cup where, where she was by Hewick. And we know what um, he's gone on to do. Uh, it's just, uh, she shouldn't discount him, uh, discount her at all. Um, but what, what, if this might be a limit in terms of a test, that, that was in my mind too. Okay, so Brave Man's game uh, for Dan uh, Ross was secret investor. So two nods to the Paul Nichols selections. I'm just going to throw in Eldorado Allen in there to the point that Ross made about is if there's going to be a Gold Cup day for one of them, it could be Eldorado Allen, could be his opportunity. Yes, he does need to give weight away, but um, you know Ross mentioned it as well. He does go well fresh. Um, he'll like this ground, um, and he just he seems to me a horse that you know as we've seen when he he won it. Uh, Exeter um, last year in the Holden Gold Cup, that he can, he can, he's very versatile. He'll be held up, but let the pace go on ahead of him. And you know, if there's just two horses in a hoist and you're in Brave Man's game who just, just might need the run or just show themselves to be a little bit novicey still, then Eldorado Allen is quite a safe bet here um, for me. Um, but yeah, a really intriguing renewal of this race, um, the Charlie Hall chase, and a better one than we've seen in a while too. So um, that will come up at 3.35 at Weatherby on Saturday. Um, so that's a look at that. We'll move on now to Ascot a little bit earlier as the 3.15, the London Cold Cup handicap chase. And um, again, this is in front from a betting perspective, the most competitive race, and um, 13 runners. But we've got some intriguing contenders major don d uh, heads the betting at four to one he's got such a progressive profile from last season just the four runs uh two wins and two place runs including a third in the charlie hall including third sorry to the charlie hall um candidate win my wings in the scottish national so that's interesting form ties there got our power at seven to one t Clipper eight to one and sam um uh in here as well back over these obstacles at ten to one danny kerwin the bit the lunatic tens Fullback 11s, 12s for Mr. Malarkey and Kitty's Light, big boy, uh, good boy Bobby, uh, 16s as well as Poppy Poutine. Prices are reflective of how open this is. Um, Dan, I'll start with you first because uh, four to one, the field shows that I just thought that there was a lot of horses in here who could be ready for this. Um, you know, might not necessarily, and some have come in here back of, of a run to as of a pipe note opener as well. I thought this it had some good substance to it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, this is. A race is a bit of a minefield, really, and, and the questions and marks are going to be raised about, I guess, how ready are some of these for it. I literally go in runner by runner, and I think I wrote the word interesting by about seven or eight of these with a view to mm. future races. And Sam was one of them. I just think he might come on for the run. We know he likes his course and distance, but 
Evan Williams wouldn't be the most optimistic of trainers at the best of times, but even by his standards, he was fairly downbeat about where, how ready Amsam would be for this. I think he, will, in time, he'll pick up a race like this without much question, but I don't think this will be it. T-Clipper, I thought, should have won at Chepstow. I don't think his chance might have gone. Even up the straight is interesting if he stays three miles. Uh, and I think he should. I, I don't see why he necessarily wouldn't. But the one I came down on, just because I had the least doubts about if they'd be ready for this, is our power. Uh, Sam Thomas, we know, likes to get them ready pretty early on in the season. And they've got a kind of a plan with him. They want to get him into the, the Coral Gold Cup or the Hennessy, however you want to call it. That's kind of their target for him. And he probably needs yeah. to go very close in this if he's going to sneak into that race. He's still very unexposed as a staying chaser. Made steady progress last season over intermediate trips. Then went on to finish third behind the Christian Williams pair of Kitty's Light and Captain Ord on his first go at three miles at Kempton. That was a very respectable effort. And then finished fifth in the Ultima. Travelled extremely well into that race. Probably just didn't find as much, perhaps his earlier exertions in the season, just caught up with him. I think he'd had a fairly busy campaign up to that stage. He did that from two pounds out of the handicap as well. So in effect, he's gone down two pounds here for that effort. And I think he's just one I'm pretty sure is going to be near to 100% for this kind of race. Still unexposed at three miles. His price is probably reflective of the fact that he's one of the more likely to be geared for this, but I'd say he's a fairly solid proposition in this in this race. Yeah, he's uh, he had a good start to the season, hasn't he, Sam Thomas? I think he's going to build on from last year as well. He's uh, he's a young trainer that um, has got great firepower. Um, excuse the pun. And uh, the this horse, our power, is a horse that I really followed through last season. Um, and I thought he ran a really eye catching race at Shit Chapman behind Corrup Rambler. So I'm backing down here as well with our power. Um, but Ross, I mentioned. Um, there are plenty of, of, of horses that we were familiar with last year and Sam for you was one of them. Um, we have Kitty's Light in here who is can be a bit of a cliff horse, but he just wasn't bemused by the run, the run from last time out. Um, and I don't know if maybe feeling the effects of quite a hard season last year, but there are horses in here, as Dan said, that will have their, their day in their day in the, in the, in the sun, in the lights. Um, and yeah, I just, I just found it intriguing to go through. Um, uncertain that they and you know, you look at good boy Bobby, he had that last year. You look at Danny Kerwin, he can have, he does have a good and big race in him. Does he? I'm not sure. I don't know if it will be Saturday. Um, it's just full of those kind of, could be anything. I think that's just sometimes with these sort of handicaps over the jump season that there will be their moment, but is it this weekend? Yeah, I mean, to, to hit on Kitty's light, uh, my theory would be very much just not to take any notice of what a Christian Williams runner does first time out, because they can be anywhere, I think, between 60% ready and 80% ready and never much more than that. You see them at the races, they would generally be one of the last yards to get the get the clippers out. Um, as you can see from Christian's hair, they're not a fan of uh, <laughs> trimming coats and manes. Um, but yeah, you make a very good point. He's not an overly big horse and he has been an honourable servant jumping fence since he was four at some point this is going to catch up with him for me it was more the prospect of the of the ground changing you know we were talking before we came on that my forecast that i use saying about 17 mil of rain if that comes it doesn't take an awful lot to turn ascot a bit soft and i think kitty's like definitely likes slightly better ground major dundee i think is is the right favorite but i think he's going to have to jump a little bit better than um he's done previously in in this sort of contest over this trip um, and, I, and like you both, I sort of came down an hour power. It's quite interesting in him. And then I looked at his reappearance record and it's not great. He tends to take a big step mm. forward from first run to second run. 
And yes, Sam Thomas has had a few winners, but he's also had a few at quite short prices beaten. Cutler favourites been well beaten. I just wonder whether they're quite hitting their straps yet. I thought the same applied to T-Clipper. I agree with Dan. He should have won at Chepstow. He's one of these horses that creeps up the weights without actually winning. And Tom Lacey was without a winner now for 14 days. And again, has had a couple of well-punted horses turned over. Um, I agree. I think Antam was not going to be ready for this. So the one I came down on was uh, Popper Poutine from, from the Tristan Davis yard. He's had a prep run. And I think at this time of year, that can find you a few pounds. And it is going to need to find him a few pounds because he's about handicapped to where he is. But he's a second season chaser. He didn't fall last year, but he came very close on a couple of occasions. He wasn't the most fluent jumper of a fence, certainly in the easy part, early part of the season. He seemed to get better with practice. Mm. If he's taken a step forward for that experience last year, I think he's potentially better than his mark of 131. Couldn't see a whole heap of fierce pace in this, and he can be a bit keen early. Wouldn't be surprised if Sam could get to the front and dictate things. I think if the ground does turn a little bit softer and make this a stamina test, he definitely stays further than three miles. Stiff finish at Ascot will suit him. Um, and around about 12 to 1, I thought he was a, a decent prospect in a, in a very wide open race. OK, yeah, it was that was interesting, sending him up to Perth um, for that first run back over hurdles. It was so obviously <laughs> a, a pipe opener um, and he stayed on and he wasn't giving a, given a hard time by Sam Tristan Davis. And he's he's well weighted for this, isn't he, as well, with 10-11 on his back and, and sort of the six-year-old yeah. in the field. So he's, yeah, he's he's got... He's got a nice profile as well. And so, yeah, not a bad price as well to go with it. 16 to 1. You'd take that, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 he could finish sixth or seventh and you wouldn't be surprised. But you could say that about plenty of those in here. So I think it's a wide open race. Nothing at the, at the top of the market really jumped out at me. So you know me. I like to troll down a bit further down the market. Yeah, says the man who tipped three winners a year ago to this very day. <laughs> so here it is for you, everyone. Papa Poutine, you heard it here first. Um, okay, well, that's a look, um, a deep dive into the, the two feature races this weekend um, from Weatherby and from Ascot. We've got an opportunity now to look at the bet of the week. So apt enough, it must be. We'll go to you first, Ross. Uh, so nap of the week, I've gone up to, to Weatherby, the bet 365 hurdle. Um, I thought Sporting John had outstanding credentials in this. He went disappearing a season ago um, and has bounced back to somewhere near his best form. Off a mark of 154, he's quite well favoured by the weights here. Uh, the only other horse that's run remotely near that level is Thomas Darby. Mm. Uh, and he's about as consistent as a Tory MP. So <laughs> I just can't have him ever for anything. Um, much, I'm sure, is the apple of uh, Ollie Murphy's eye. I just thought Sporting John off the back of a good season with the confidence rebuilt in handicaps, I think he can win a fairly weak looking heat. Yeah, I thought three under three five was interesting returning to hurdles. Whether he's uh whether he'll be absolutely spot on for this, I just thought intriguing decision in, in what is obviously could be a very competitive um sphere for him if he went to the kept over fences. So yeah, it um it is a weak enough division, but we have got uh, Sporting John for you there for Ross's selection, and he's 15 to 8 as well to get the job done. Dan, over to you. Well, it, it fills me with dread almost saying this early in the season that I want to take, I'm taking Ross on, but I am in, in, in the West Yorkshire <laughs> hurdle. With Sporting John, he's an interesting character. Um, they were debating whether he goes chasing again this season, so whether that's a plan for later on, I'm not sure. 
I'd say the Philip Hobbs stable as well aren't exactly rattling in winners. I know they had one the other day in a, in a free runner race where barely anything finished, but outside of that, a lot of them are getting fairly well beaten and he's never been the most reliable type. Then again, the horse I'm about to tip up would also fall very much into that category. But I thought Prashima was, this is probably his day. If he's going to have one and he's, been threatening to have one for what seems like forever it's probably going to be this he was a good second in this race last year behind indefatigable she just got first run that day and he couldn't quite peg her back despite traveling well again quotes that have often applied to prashima there but he's coming here off a near identical prep beating 12 lengths in a silver trophy traveled well into that race not given a hard time whatsoever i'm almost certain they had this race in mind pretty much since the city would came back into training he's six pounds better off with her this time around she too has had a similar prep, but the turnaround from a run on the flat is a lot shorter. It's 12 days this time. It was 26. So whether that's a bit too soon, I mean, she's a hardy mare. She might take it okay, but the six pound differential was enough to make me think they might be a bit closer in the market, despite official ratings and all, and all that stuff. In terms of like Thomas Darby as well, Prashima six pounds better off with him. And despite finishing well ahead of him last time, and you, you can't rely on him to, to run a, a decent race on debut. And it's probably forgotten that Prashima was fancy to beat Sporting John in one of the Potemps qualifiers on £5 worse terms than they meet mm. this time around. And again, if I, if I say the phrase Prashima was travelling well one more time, it really is a definition of insanity. But he was doing that again at Shelton <laughs> before falling two out. It's hard to tell what would have happened, but he was shorter priced than Sporting John uh, that day. So I think there's definitely a chance that he can beat him on favourable terms. The likes of three under through five, this is probably Hennessy prep really for him i just thought he if he's gonna have a day it's against horses like this weights are in his favor he's had a good prep this this could well be it okay right prashima um intri intriguing that um couple of runs on the flat and i actually don't think that 11 lengths beaten by coltrane in the ascot stakes was a bad run at all uh, especially seeing what coltrane's gone out on to do um but prashima um in a in a division which is so open this it's always as indefatigable as to say um last year's winner is in here um and sporting john is the current market leader but you can get prashima who's dan selection at Four to one. Okay, we've got a nap selection time as well. Uh, plenty of racing. You could go even go on the flat at Newmarket if you wanted to ask, but <laughs> imagine you found some other nice value bet for us over at the obstacles. Yeah, um, I actually found it quite difficult to find a place to play, actually, Jess. I thought that the, the two races that had the most interesting sort of makeup are the, are the it, one of them was the with the three fifteen at Ascot. Um, but at a slightly skinnier price than I like to give it as a place play and I think you'll go close, actually, but I'll make a place uh, play part of my bet um, in the 205 at Ascot, Highway 102 uh, for Chris Gordon. Um, he finished second last time. Um, quite how he finished second, I don't know. You watched the race back. He was a long way clear coming to the last, jumped last and scooted away and then idled dramatically up the running. And you'd perhaps say that Freddie Gordon, who I think will be a very good jockey in time, would have been better off looking where he was going rather than looking behind to see where they were coming from because I don't think that helped their momentum. Mm -hmm. I think, again, with a prep run against a lot of these that won't have had a prep run, Gavin Sheehan taking back over. Um, he's got good form around right-handed tracks, second in the Lanzarote to a very well-handicapped horse at the time. I think he can go very close in this, but at a decent price, uh, he's he's worth a place a place play in your bet as well. Okay, 9-1 for... Hi, well 
Highway 102 um, for the Chris Gordon team. Um, and so those are all the selections from Ross, Sporting John in there as well, as mentioned previously. Okay, and uh, Dan, your final uh, place play selection for us. I think like Ross, it, it's a tricky weekend, this. I think a very informative one, but for betting purposes, very tricky. And probably one of the most more difficult races, the 240 Ascot, the two-mile handicap. You've got a lot of the old favourites for this type of race in there. I thought a decent price, Gumball, was quite an interesting horse. Now, he had a nice little prep run on the flat the other day at Ascot, finishing second off a mark of 92. I can't say I paid too much attention to that because, you know, it's a flat race. But it's not the first time he's had a similar prep here. So before he ran in the graduation chase at Carlisle last year, he had a very similar kind of preparation. And he ran a very, very good race that day to finish a close-up fourth to the likes of Melodrama and Warlord, who finished second and third. He was giving it four pounds to both of those, and we know they've gone on to achieve pretty decent things last season. And then you had Cheddleton back in third as well, who has consistently ran well in, from marks in the high 140s. He's been dropped three pounds here to a career-low mark 137 after being very well back for the grand annual off 140. I think that the deluge of rain that day just kind of ruined any chance he had there. And also, a grand annual is a bit of a... It's really all the, this race at Ascot was decent. A grand annual is a whole different kettle of fish. And the last time he was on a mark in the 130s, he won a listed handicap hurdle at Ascot 139. He still hasn't had many opportunities over fences for Fergal just yet. And I think for all that this is a competitive race, he's one of the ones who will be more forward because of that spin on the flat. And he's definitely handicapped to win a race like this. So I thought he was an interesting proposition at a double-figure price. Yeah, he's 14 to 1. He's such an admirable sort, isn't he? You've got to love Gumball, um, the, the familiar grey with the, the uh, Terry Warner silks um, sported. So Gumball, 14 to 1 for Dan. Um, quickly from me, um, my uh, nap bet is actually coming at Newmarket. Um, I found Sir Lawrence Graff in the 248. He's in the nursery. He was... He was favourite to win his uh, race last time out in Newmarket, where he's beaten by a very well-handicapped Godolphin two-year-old. Um, he's got Ryan Moore booked. Yes, he's top weight in this race, but I think this is a, a good opportunity for him in a weaker nursery. So, um, so Lawrence Graff um, for John and Daly Gosden, just for any black enthusiasts, there are good. <laughs> there is good quality racing at Newmarket on Saturday. And um, my place play selection comes with good boy Bobby. He is a... This is a risky one. And this is, as the others have said, um, you know, not really the weekend to be going full in with place selections. And there isn't a huge amount of value around because we don't really know what how these horses will be. But if good boy Bobby wants to be good, he can just do that. Um, and he's... and. Ross, when we were mentioning this race, there wasn't a huge amount of pace on. He does like to go forward every now and again, um, and he really attacks his uh, fences, and he can be quite game. And uh, he is a, a good price at 16 to 1. Um, I just thought that could be a bit of value in, in quite an open race, um, especially for three places. So that is it. So those of our, our place plays, our selections, our naps, um, and uh, hopefully we've given you something to think about ahead of um, what is a fascinating weekend racing um, at Weatherby and obviously at Ascot as well. There's uh, a lot of rain around. We were just saying before we went uh, live here that that could change the complexion of a, of a few of these races. Let's hope all the main protagonists hold their ground as well, especially in the Charlie Hall, because um, that will be a race um, worth watching. And we've all got a different selection too to make it a little bit more interesting. A reminder, as always, that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10. C's and C's always apply. And those Jumped fans who are back with us after the summer break, don't forget to subscribe to whatever podcast channel you listen to and watch us on YouTube as we'll back, be back 
every week um, delving into the best of the action as it comes in each Thursday. Um, and obviously also SBK Ambassador content. So all for you to look forward to. Uh, thanks as always to Ross and to Dan. Best of luck for this weekend and we will see you next week. 